This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. See, folks, the eternal, non-changing, never-altered principle of God is, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do unto you. God told Israel that back in Numbers chapter 14 when the 12 spies came back from searching out the land of promise. Ten of them came back with an evil report. They said, we can't take what God said is ours. Two of them came back with a good report and said, God's on our side. We can take care of it. We can defeat the enemies. It doesn't matter how strong they look. God responded to the children of Israel who believed the majority report. As you have spoken in my ear, so shall I do unto you. That's an unchanging law. That's the law that overrides everything. It's a law that man's authority was based on beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. When God said, let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness and let them have dominion over the earth. How do we exercise dominion? By the words of our mouth. So when God said in Numbers chapter 14, as you have spoken in my ears, so shall I do unto you. He's just saying You've messed yourselves up, guys. Your words have brought on the tragedy that is yet to come, which for most of them was 40 years in the wilderness. The 10 spies died that day. Well, here in the group of Malachi chapter 3, they're speaking against God too. And they've been robbed of blessings because they have robbed God of the honor that is expressed when we bring the tenth of our increase unto him. Folks, it's all about attitude. It's about what you believe. Everything has always been and everything will always be about what you believe. And what you believe is what you say. Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession, according to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. He's not the the Uh, apostle and high priest of our intent a lot of people mean well they just don't say the right things what does God have to deal with God set the system up to work according to words not just intent of the heart but when the intent of your heart is right and in line with God's word and then the words of your mouth back it up That's when the blessing of abundance is yours. So back to this situation where Jesus is looking at how people cast money into the treasury. It says, many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. That must not be much. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. She gave more than the rich people. For all they did cast in was of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Now what would prompt her to do this? Well, she's acting in line with the law of Moses. She's acting in line with the scriptures that we've seen, and there are several others to add to it, about the tithe being holy unto the Lord. The implication is 
the amount of money that she threw in, the two mites which make up a farthing, is certainly not enough to live on. And so she, out of a genuine desire to honor God no matter what, has put in everything she had. Now, wouldn't it be interesting if Jesus said she's on the right track, but that's only 9%? Folks, God doesn't love you because you tithe. And he doesn't withhold his love from you because you don't. There are things that Jesus purchased for us that are ours because he bought them and not for any other reason. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He paid the price for sin. He paid the price for Adam's sin, and he paid the price for your personal sins. Now, that's true no matter what our attitude is. That's true no matter what our actions are. That's true for every unsaved person on the planet. The price has been paid for them, even if they never come to him to receive it. The price is paid. So it's not theirs just because of something they do. It's theirs, meaning the world's. It's the world's benefit because Jesus did it. Well, the Bible also says that with Jesus' stripes we were healed. He paid the price, the shedding of his blood from the beating he took in Pilate's court for physical healing. Now, that's ours because Jesus bought it. That's ours because he paid the price for it. It's ours if we reach out and take hold of it by faith and receive our healing, but it's also just as much the person's who the person who never reaches out to take hold of it. It belongs just as much to the person that doesn't believe in it as it belongs to you and me because Jesus paid for it. It was a work that Jesus accomplished and fulfilled. And the same verse that I've been quoting in Isaiah 53, verse 5, Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. That's the word shalom. It's translated prosperity in several cases in the Scripture. In other words, Jesus paid the same price with the shedding of his blood. He paid the same price that he paid for sin and for sickness for your financial well-being. For the blessing of God. Now, listen to the way I'm saying this. For the blessing of God. Maybe we should call it the blessing of Abraham to be yours and mine. See, Paul said right into the Galatians that the blessing of Abraham belongs to us if we have Christ. Well, what was the blessing of Abraham? Let me ask you it this way. Was the blessing of Abraham contingent on his tithe? No evidence in Scripture that it was. Well, then why did Abraham want to tithe to begin with? Because he found out God was his helper. He found out God was his friend. He found out that God would do everything that he promised and even more. And he knew that even before Isaac was born. He came to that understanding way before the miracle of miracle birth of Isaac took place. He tithed because he wanted to. That's a key. He tithed because he wanted to. The tithe in Abraham's case wasn't so much about money. Folks, the reality is God doesn't need your money. To go a step further... A church that is built on the Word doesn't need your money either. See, so many times people think that the reason people teach, pastors teach, 
on giving and tithing is because they're trying to increase the church's finances. Well, if God's only means of meeting a church's finances, meeting their needs and providing them the money that they need to do the work that he's called for them to do, if the only way that God can meet that need is the people sitting in the pews, then is he really the God that we preach to him to be? I've got a good friend in the ministry who said something a long time ago. And when he said it, it surprised him. It was the Holy Ghost. He knew it wasn't himself. But he said this. He said, God is able to get his work done without the participation of unwilling participants. Tithing is not about money. Tithing is about the attitude of the heart. This woman cast in all she had willingly. Now, in case there's any of you that have ever faced the, the thought, I can't afford to tithe, this story should be for you. She couldn't afford to tithe either. She wasn't giving up her rent money. She wasn't giving her car payment to God as a tithe. She gave everything she had. I wonder what happened to that woman. We don't have any record of anything. What do you think God's attitude would be toward her? Now, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 is instructive for us. It's not a, um, it should not be taken as a means of condemnation. It should not be looked at as an uh-oh. Because Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 is just simply showing what God's attitude is toward those who want to honor him. He'll open to you the windows of heaven. He'll pour you out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive. I've said this numerous times, but I feel like I have to repeat myself every time. A blessing that there's not room enough to receive cannot be just money. Well, if it's not just talking about money, what is it talking about? It's talking about the blessing of God in other areas. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now, let me close with this. I want you to turn with me to one final scripture, and that's Hebrews chapter 7, beginning in verse 1 of Hebrews 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, I want you to notice that we've come full circle. We started with Abraham paying tithes to Melchizedek. Now, we're going to finish up with a New Testament view of Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, 
and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, a supernatural appearance, in other words, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God. He's saying he's the type of Jesus. He doesn't go so far as to say he was Jesus, which some people think, and maybe rightly so, I don't know. But he certainly says that he was made like unto the Son of God. That means a type of Jesus. Abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was upon whom or unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of his fault. That's the point he's making. Consider how great this man, how great, how great Melchizedek was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham, who was great in himself, in his relationship with God, gave the tenth of his spoils. And verily they that are of the sons of Levi, the tribe, the priestly tribe, who receive the office of the priesthood, <clears throat> have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. Now at the time Paul writes this, nobody's under the law. So he's making a greater point. And verily they that are of the sons of Levi who receive the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. That is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them, like Melchizedek wasn't of the tribe of, of Levi. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. He's proving the point that Melchizedek was a type of Jesus. How could you be greater than Abraham on the earth? Jesus. Abraham was the one that had the covenant with God. He was the patriarch. He was the beginning of the people of God. You can't get any bigger than that. You can't get any greater than that. You can't have any higher stature than that. But he whose descent is not counted from them, the Levites, received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, here it is right here, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes, <clears throat> but there he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. Hold the phone. <laughs> we see that in Genesis chapter 14, the tithe began hundreds of years before the law of Moses was given. It was incorporated into the law without question. But name me one part, name me one small piece of the law that if still carried out today under the new covenant, the one thing that we know is that the book of Hebrews had to be written between Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost came out, came and the Holy Ghost was poured out, and A.D. 70 when Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was taken apart. There's no way that Paul would have used, Paul or anybody else would have used, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, the pattern of the priesthood and the temple and so forth if the temple had already been destroyed. It would be unconscionable, unthinkable for the author of the book of Hebrews, again, I believe that's Paul, not to say something about the destruction of the temple. It wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have happened. So we know that the temple is still in effect. When Paul talks about those that are of the tribe of Levi receiving tithes by commandment, this means the temple is still receiving tithes too. But notice what Paul does not say. <clears throat> Paul does not say, 
under the law, we tithe, but now that's been fulfilled. And why wouldn't he if that was the case? But back to my original thought. Name me one part of the law, the keeping of the law, after the resurrection of Jesus, that witnesses that Jesus is alive. Folks, if that were true, if that were the way that it worked, then Paul would have been in agreement with the Judaizers that came into Galatia and, uh, Galatia and everywhere else, saying that people needed to keep the sacrifices in the law of Moses too. Because if the keeping of the law is a witness that Jesus is alive, why aren't we keeping it? Now for us, obviously there's an answer because the law is fulfilled in the one law and the one commandment, and that is to love your neighbor. But you know that's not what he's talking about. He says that a, something, an action, one action, the only one ever identified, the act of paying tithes witnesses that Jesus, represented by or is uh, a type of, that Melchizedek is a type of, it's witness that Jesus is alive. You can't find any other part of the law like that. And if tithing was just a part of the law, it would have been fulfilled and done away with by Jesus. But tithing was instituted by Abraham to show his honor for God hundreds of years before the law came along. It was included in the law, but it was not part of it or did not originate with it. Let me read this again. I'm going to start back in verse 5. And verily they that are of the sons of Levi, who received the office of the priesthood, priesthood still in operation at that point in time, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them, he's still talking about Melchizedek, received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here... Men that die. Here means present tense. Here means now. Here means on the earth. Here means under the new covenant. And here, men that die receive tithes, but there he receives them. Now, who's the he? It's either Melchizedek or Jesus. Well, since he's a type of Jesus, it's the same as Jesus. And here, men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them, of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. Wouldn't that have been the perfect place for Paul to say, now that tithing stuff, don't bother about that? Read the letter I wrote to the Corinthians and the Philippians about giving, having a giving heart and giving with the right attitude as your purpose in your heart and cheerfully and so forth. It would have been a perfect opportunity. God's not going to tell me. Now, it's up to you to decide whether I'm telling you the truth or not. It's up to you to, to decide whether I'm telling you the truth about what the Word says, if I'm rightly dividing the Word of truth in that sense, but also whether or not what I told you about the Lord speaking to me and telling me to teach this five weeks ago, whether that's true too. That's up to you. It's not up to me to convince you. I'm just telling you what happened. You can believe me or not. But I know for certain that the tithe is important, the tithe is of the new covenant, 
along with Abraham because the new covenant is, is predicated on God's relationship with Abraham. But the important part for me is that it's an opportunity. Tithing is an opportunity to honor the God that's been so good to me. And I believe that is following Abraham's example. He said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So if you can't trust God with your money, there's going to be a limit to what you can ever trust him for. Now think back to Malachi chapter 3, the people that were robbing God, the people that were making excuses for the situation they were in. Now, again, I'm not here to judge them, but I can read what God said about the thing. Notice how God said the situation would change. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive. He goes on in verse 11 and says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I've said this numerous times. I'm sure you've heard it before, but it's absolutely the truth. It's the only place. Malachi 3.11 is the only place anywhere in the Bible where God says he'll do something about the devil for you. Every other instance, we're left to resist him by faith, to exercise our authority over him. But in the area of finances, God said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Only place. Only place. Well, then what does that make? And I'm using a natural term, a modern-day term in this. I hope you understand. They didn't do it this way, but we do. What does that make offerings all about? What does that make the time during a church service that we give people the opportunity to give? What does that mean that is? Well, quite simply, it's, just, it's an opportunity for you to change your financial situation. Most people look at the offerings or the offering time at churches as the church getting money from the people. But as far as God's concerned, if we're witnessing by our tithes that Jesus is alive at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, then offerings are a time for you and I to change our financial positions, to change our financial conditions, to change our financial situations. That makes, the, that makes the offering more for you than it does the church. We don't look at it like that, though, do we? Maybe we should. One of the first things I ever had God talk to me about is giving. I was in a place where I needed everything, had nothing, and God starts telling me to give. Now, I understand that's counterintuitive. If you don't have anything, giving what you have doesn't make sense. That's why it has to be a matter of faith. There's got to be a reason why in Haggai chapter 2, the verses of Scripture that talk about the glory of the Lord in the last days, there's got to be a reason why in the middle of those Scriptures, he said the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Got to be a reason. Now, whatever you think that reason is, there's got to be a reason. What does gold and silver have to do with the glory of God? But it's right there in the middle. Haggai chapter 2 talks about the glory of the latter house being greater than the, the former. The glory of the last day church will be greater than the glory of the first day church, the book of Acts church. And right in the middle of it, he says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. 
I believe God wants to do some financial miracles in the last days. I believe he will do some financial miracles in the last days for those that are in a position to obey him or are in the position they are because they've obeyed him. And I believe they're going to knock our socks off. I believe that there are going to be miracles that are greater than even the miracles that we see in the Old Testament about the woman with the oil that didn't run out until she had enough to pay off her debts. I believe there are going to be miracles that outdo the little widow woman whose cruise of oil didn't fail and the barrel of meal didn't come to an end. I believe there are going to be miracles in the last days that outdo the boat load, the boat sinking load of fish that Peter and John caught on two different occasions. I believe there's going to be miraculous increase, at least in certain instances, at least as signs and wonders. Because God just does that kind of stuff. Or at least he used to. Thank God he never changes. We can find something God used to do. We can find something he still does. That's the kind of thing that I'm looking for. It's part of what I'm looking for, and it's not the most important thing. Now, I know some people, bless their hearts, they get the, their panties all bunched up because they think all the church wants is your money. Folks, God's bigger than whatever amount of money you've got. And that kind of thinking robs some people of what God wants them to have. So I want to encourage you, and it's not up to me to tell you how to do it, but I want to encourage you, if you're not a tither, settle the issue. Settle the issue. Once and for all. Don't let that be the thing that keeps God from being able to use you in what he really wants you to do. Don't let it be that way. If you have convinced yourself or convinced from the word, if you're, if you're in a position where you say, I just don't believe tithing is of the new covenant, okay, that's up to you. Our church, the percentage of people in our church that tithe is almost twice what it is of the church world, of Pentecostal churches. It's way more than that of denominational churches. But I don't want one person to miss out. I don't want one person to miss out. Because God's so much better than anything we could use money to buy here on the earth. And if Jesus told the truth, he said it's better to give than to receive. Giving with the right attitude, paying your tithes with the right attitude, honors God. And it brings a blessing to us that I've never found anything that compares with. Settle the issue once and for all. God's either who he says he is and he'll meet your needs when you honor him or he won't. It's that simple. James 1.22 tells us to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. It's when we put the word of God in practice and act on what God said to do. That's when the blessings of God become real in our lives. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church.
This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. We're going to have, there are going to be times in our lives where we're going to have walls of Jericho falling type victories. There are times in our life where we're going to have multiplying fishes and loaves type of victories. But there are also times where you're going to have three weeks worth of storms type victories too. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.